and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard has a Star Talk report on the total lunar eclipse. Sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua has a hooked on fishing report that highlights this season's Upper Delaware River biota. In the segment Now You Know, we'll learn more about the Bashakill area. Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation with Association President Paula Medley. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Barbara Klein. The president of Finland has notified Russian President Vladimir Putin that Helsinki intends to join NATO. Terry Schultz reports the phone call took place as Russia suspended its delivery of electricity to Finland. Finnish President Sauli Niinistö says his phone call to Vladimir Putin, informing him of the impending decision on NATO membership, was straightforward and emphasized the need to avoid tensions. But even as the two men spoke, Finland's supply of electricity from Russia was suspended. Finnish Institute of International Affairs researcher Charlie Salonius Pasternak points out Finland expects disruptions from Russia for a variety of reasons and only gets about 10% of its electricity supply from Russia now. There's a reason why Finland has diversified its energy mix, so no single energy supplier or mix could put Finland on its knees. Salonius Pasternak says he expects the Kremlin to continue creating inconveniences for Finland as its NATO bid proceeds. For NPR News, I'm Terry Schultz in Tallinn, Estonia. Ukraine has launched its first prosecution for war crimes against Russian troops since the war began in February. As NPR's Greg Myrie reports from Lviv, a 21-year-old Russian army sergeant appeared in a Ukrainian court yesterday to face charges related to the killing of an unarmed man who was walking and talking on a cell phone. The sergeant was clearly captured at some point since then. He appeared in court in the capital, Kiev, on Friday. He was seated in a glass box. He was handcuffed. He had a blue and gray hoodie. Uh, his head was shaved. He kept his head down, and he didn't say anything when journalists tried to ask him questions. Now, he has a court-appointed lawyer who's Ukrainian, and the lawyer says he wants to protect the rights of his clients and show, quote, that we are a country different to the one he's from. NPR's Greg Myrie in Lviv. Demonstrations over abortion rights are planned in all 50 states today. The Day of Action was planned after a leaked draft opinion from Justice Samuel Alito indicated the Supreme Court is preparing to overturn Roe v. Wade. NPR's Liz Baker reports from Washington, D.C., where tens of thousands are expected to march on the Supreme Court building. Women's March director Rachel O'Leary Carmona said Saturday's demonstrations are just the beginning of a summer of rage as abortion activists prepare to protest the presumed Supreme Court ruling, which would ban or restrict abortion access in at least 26 states. It is not one day of action. It is day one 
of our current uprising to protect abortion rights. The largest rallies are planned for D.C., New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Austin, Texas, with 450 smaller cities across the country also hosting demonstrations. Liz Baker, NPR News, Washington. You're listening to NPR News. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wallenpapik, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show... Sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua has a Hooked on Fishing report that highlights this season's Upper Delaware River biota. In the segment Now You Know, we'll learn more about the Bashakel area. Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation with Bashakel Association President Paula Medley. But first, here's Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. For Farm and Country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. There will be a great opportunity tomorrow night to see a total lunar eclipse. This opportunity is so great because the eclipse will begin and end while the moon is high in the sky. We will be able to witness the moon enter Earth's inner shadow, reach maximum eclipse, and exit Earth's inner shadow over the course of nearly three and a half hours late tomorrow night. The eclipse will begin at 10.27 p.m. when the moon enters Earth's inner shadow, called the umbra. The moon will begin to darken from the lower left side, The moon will begin to take on a red hue as the darkness will sweep across the moon. The total eclipse will begin at 11.29 p.m. when the moon is completely in Earth's umbra. The total eclipse will last for nearly 85 minutes with the maximum eclipse occurring at 12.11 a.m. The moon will start to exit Earth's umbra at 12.53 a.m. As the moon exits the umbra, it will begin to lighten from the lower left side first and will lose its red hue. At 1.55 a.m., the moon will be fully out of Earth's shadow and the eclipse will end. A lunar eclipse occurs when Earth is positioned directly between the sun and the moon. But a lunar eclipse does not occur at every full moon due to the moon's tilted orbit about Earth. Tomorrow night, a total lunar eclipse will begin around 11.30 p.m. and will last for nearly 85 minutes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Evan Padua bringing you Hooked on Fishing.
The Upper Delaware River is thriving and healthy this spring season. As the days get longer, the plants are all blooming and the bass and walleye are finishing up spawning. The American Shad are here. Striped bass and lamprey eels are two other anadromous species which swim from the ocean to our area to perform spawning rituals. Keep an eye out for these large striped bass and gross-looking rusty pipe eels. They are both a sign of life in a river that is undammed from its confluences of the east and west branches all the way to the ocean, approximately 300 miles. All over the U.S. there are dams which are obstructions for migratory fish. These dams may be of great or multi-purpose, but almost every dam is stopping some type of fish migration and in turn changing the ecology of rivers across America and the world. There are many movements to remove unnecessary dams throughout the United States, and personally, I am all for this. You have seen this locally on Pennsylvania and New York streams, that many of them used to have series of small dams to help the operation of grist mills and tanneries to generate power, among other things. Many of these outdated local dams have been removed or destroyed by man or mother nature. Dams are great for some things and not for others. We must weigh our pros and cons logically for a healthy future for our rivers. Enjoy the beautiful spring weather. Watch these prolific bug hatches around the Delaware River as a sign of a healthy ecosystem and a high quality of water. Think about almost any creature we know that eats bugs. How colorful and dynamic they can be, such as fish, birds, spiders, amphibians, and many more. Let's all together do our part to ensure a healthier future for our Mother Earth. Thanks for listening. For Radio Catskill, Farm and Country, and Hooked on Fishing, this has been Evan Padua, casting off. Mamacating, speaking with Paula Medley, longtime president of the Bashakil Area Association. Paula will explain the work that goes into the many successes of this organization in maintaining our beautiful environment. Paula, where does the funding come from to maintain this space? It's amazing. Our funding is almost exclusively through memberships and donations. That's it. Once in a while, 
for a special project like we financed John Haas's third edition of his birding guide, we were able to get a grant for that. So once in a while we'll receive a grant, but it's donations and memberships. Well, you've done very well with that. There's some kind of relationship, I guess, between the Bashiko Area Association and the Mamakating Environmental Center, which seems to be a function of mamakating. Yeah, we'll call the MEEC, Mamakating Environmental Education Center, or MEEC, M-E-E-C. The BKA, we consider them a very strong partner, and we're a big supporter of them, and we work together. For instance, we have alerts that go out, the, the BKA. We have about maybe 350, 400 households who receive email alerts. And we use that system to get out alerts about all of Meek's programs that they have so that there's more public relations that way. Since Meek is a, obviously a building, we now can sponsor many, many programs that we couldn't sponsor before. Like we're gonna do this year, we had seasonal migration, we we're gonna do cicadas, fireflies, we couldn't do those before. Now we have a building and we sponsor them so they're free of charge to people and they're hosted by Meek. But Meek receives its funding, not through the BKA in any way. It is really considered right now a town mammocating entity. It's funded predominantly by the town of mammocating with, again, donations from the public and grants. So the wonderful lecture series that take place here, those are funded through essentially mammocating. Yeah, but the BKA might fund five to eight of them annually also. But they're predominantly, yeah, they have to be funded by mammocating. So you have a very close working relationship. Very close. And in fact, the director, Jackie Broder of Meek, is also the vice president of the BKAA. A little incestuous. <laughs> yeah, but in a good way. <laughs> what kind of projects does BKAA undertake? Well, our mission is to protect the Bashakil and surrounding area, Bashakil wetlands and surrounding area, from ecological degradation. Surrounding area means the Bashakil's watershed or the lands through which water flows on its way to the wetland. And that includes 35,000 acres. So actually, our focus is about 35,000 acres. And we do that through two major ways. One is educational. We have our own series of educational programs, guided walks, that we conduct in the course 20 to 25 hikes and kayak outings annually as well as we have our Nature Watch program, which is from mid-April until the end of June, where we have volunteers at the South Road main boat launch from 10 to 4, talking to people about the Bashakil wetland and eagle ecology, because it's right across from the nesting bald eagles. We have our water testing program, our annual cleanup, and we get involved in many, many venues. We're at so many venues, it's not even funny. So there's educational. And then the other way is through advocacy. We have been involved. One of our biggest successes also was having representatives in the development the last few years of the town of Mamakating's comprehensive plan. 
and the changes to the zoning, because those impact, of course, issues that could have some type of effect on the wetlands. We go to town board meetings, planning board meetings. We have consultants. We have hydrogeological consultant and an engineer and an ecologist and an attorney that we call upon if developments such as um, the Yukaguni Mushroom Plan or Thompson Education Center that was formerly China City want to develop projects that we feel will in some way negatively impact the wetlands. My ears perked up when you said boat launch. I didn't know there was a boat launch. Could I take my canoe over here? Yeah, and- it's not like there's a pier or anything. It's just a ground. You put your... Uh, yeah, that's... The, the South Road boat launch across from the Bashakill Vineyards is where the most people put in their canoes and kayaks. They can be put in in other places, but that's the main area. I'll take a note. <laughs> Has the Department of conservation been involved at all? Well, the 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 Department of Environmental Conservation, of course, manages the Bashakill Wildlife Management Area. And again, the BKA has a close relationship with Nate Ermer, who is the DEC representative for this park, the management area. We contact them and we're involved with them a lot. We water testing program that occurs twice monthly with volunteers testing eight different sites in the wildlife management area. If any of the tests seem to be out of whack, we'll inform DEC immediately that there is a water quality issues here and for them to further check it out. We have a stewardship agreement with DEC, which is a kind of a a legal document, means we're, we are, and it's renewed every five years, which DEC basically allows us, permits us to do certain activities within the wildlife management area, which includes water testing, our annual cleanup, and all our educational programs. So we have a very close relationship with DEC. Do you ever find yourself on the other side of an issue from the DEC? Yes, we have. Um, DEC, sometimes we'd like them to move a little faster when it comes to the (laughs) development issues and to intervene quicker. And there have been times with, like with Yukaguni and some others that where we've had to uh, do a lot of letter writing and advocacy and get DEC involved. And so it's not so much that we're on opposite sides, but it's getting them to come in on our side maybe a little earlier in the process than they might like in development's process. They are, after all, a government agency. Yeah, yeah, right. We understand that they, they lack the resources. Many of their people have been cut, and they're doing the best they can. Paula, what is the BKAA working on right now? All right, well, first of all, I should say that we just ended about a year's worth of work dealing with the town of Mamacating on a solar project proposed for 19 acres at the Wurzboro Airport, right near the D&H Canal towpath and at the base of the Shangam Ridge. Um, in a wetland itself area. And what we did there, we're not, of course, we're an environmental group, so we're not going to be 
per se opposed to solar, but we wanted it to be the best solar project possible. It was the first one that was really being considered by the town of Mamacating under new zoning. So what we were able to accomplish was, for one thing, for them to, when they're keeping the upkeep of the property, to just mow it once a year and at a certain time of the year to ensure that when they are reseeding it, that they're using native species. We wanted that we were concerned about animal connectivity when you put up a big fenced uh, project where animals travel, there could be problems so that the fences at the bottom, at least for small animals, there's six inches from the ground so small animals could get in and around. So we wanted it to be the most environmentally friendly project and we dealt with that for about a year. So that was something that we just finished. How close is the airport to the Bashakil acreage? It's extremely close to the headwaters of the Bashakil there's a road there, McDonald Road, where uh, Coles is. McDonald Road is off of 209. You mean the Coles Warehouse? Coles Warehouse, I'm sorry. And right across from on that side road there was where Yukaguni was going to be. And right there, the Gumar, that's G-U-M-A-E-R, Brook, runs into what becomes the Bashakil. The Bashakil is coming down off the headwaters, coming down off the Shangam Ridge. And so it is close to what is the headwaters of the Bashakil, but the Bashakil Wildlife Management Area is a finite area. That's a DEC designation, and that's 3,000 acres. But the headwaters are not within that. They're within the watershed, not the actual management area. But there are other local creeks and water bodies oh, yeah, that feed in. Brook, Wilsey Brook, which goes right through the village of Wurtsboro, flows from Maston Lake on the western portion of the watershed. And also that flows down from there down into the, the wildlife management area. Another big feeder uh, comes from Yankee Lake, and that's the Pine Kill. And the Pine Kill flows down from Yankee Lake and goes into the Bashakil Wildlife Management. So those are two of the big feeders. The, the um, wildlife management area and watershed is it's within the Delaware River watershed. Can you tell me what volunteers for the BKAA do? Yeah, I would say that the majority who, of, of people who volunteer for the BKA get involved with the annual cleanup. That's something that attracts a lot of people. We could get up to 80 to 100 people. So the cleanup, we have a number of volunteers for our water testing. They, they go out in teams of two or three people. We have our wildlife experts volunteer leading our various educational programs. A number of people will volunteer. They're writing letters. When we get to advocacy, they're they're appearing at public hearings and speaking. Many volunteers will sit at the various venues, whether it's SUNY Orange, SUNY Sullivan, or the Farmer's Market, and where we have a table promoting the organization and the resource. So that's some of the things that the volunteers do. If somebody wants to be a volunteer, how do they do that? Well, in most cases, it's going to, first you're going to become a member. 
and you become a member by paying a whopping ten dollars <laughs> a, a year and sending us a check to the Bashkill Area Association, P.O. Box one one two one, Wurtsboro, New York one two seven nine zero, or through PayPal. So generally speaking, first you become a member. On the membership form, there's a, a place that says, I would like to volunteer. Put down annual cleanup, water testing, educational programs, advocacy, other. So people at that time can check off something, and then we'll follow up with that. But you don't have to be a member to go to the Bashakil. Not just... at all. Not at all. No, no. The Bashakil Wildlife Management Area is free, open to the public. It's supposed to be open pretty much from dawn to dusk. But it's a wildlife management area, which means that the resource takes precedent over providing recreational opportunities for visitors. So you don't have fire pits, you don't have picnic tables. The BKA provides the porta potty at the South Road boat launch from April to the end of October. We pay for that, not not DEC. You can access the wildlife management area through a number of parking lots both on 209 and also on South Road. You just drive up to them and you just get out and, you know, there's no gate. There's nobody there taking money. Yeah, I see that off of 209, south of Route 17, there are two access areas. Yes, exactly. There are two access areas off of 209. One is close to 17 and one is actually in the hamlet of Westbrookville across from the post office and their little deli there. Also, a huge access point is on Haven Road. Haven Road is right off of 209, and it's the only road that actually crosses the Bashakil. There's a big parking area there. And then there's probably, probably close to six or seven parking areas on South Road. So now you know about the Bashakil Area Association. You heard about it from Paula Medley, longtime president of the BKAA. And this has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country. This is your host, Rosie Starr. Here is a short poem that feels like a cool breeze on a summer's day. It was written by Inez George Gridley, and these words are etched in a stone on a path in the Damascus Forest Hemlock Grove. The poetry of hemlocks is deep and green, secret as hiding places seldom seen. The music of hemlocks, like the sounds of the thrush, is sudden and cool in the evening hush. Cathedrals of hemlocks invite the weary. The quiet aisles are sanctuary. On today's show, Farming Country features the music of Steve Jacoby. Steve is one of the singer-songwriter musicians of the Upper Delaware Collective. 
They will be performing at the Drive-In Music Concert, featuring four bands on a mobile, rotating stage. Save the date, Saturday, June 18th, from 6 to 9 p.m., outdoors at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. Sit outside by the fire pit, bring a picnic dinner, and enjoy the music of Poison Love, Brewster Smith, Cliff Westfall, and the Tune Keepers. Saturday, June 18th, 6 to 9 p.m., outdoors at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard, Evan Pato, and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guest, Paula Medley, president of the Bashakil Area Association. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit, taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org Here's the concept. Transform an historic mansion into the inn at Kirkside, then staff it with postgrads from the hospitality fields. They run the inn, they receive experience in all phases of the hospitality industry. The inn at Kirkside will cultivate